0: Welcome to Making Connections, a WMNT series on diversifying our future.
1: Cause I couldn't get my brain. He said, Boy, you got something could well mean your death. To Black lung, and blue. You get the one, you get the other. Either way, you lose. I've always been a miner, breathe colored all my life. Too old to learn a new trade. What can I tell my wife? To comb black blue One, you get the other Either way I'll tell nobody nothing I'll just keep working on The kids need all their schooling Before I'm dead and gone, gone corneals, Black, blonde, blue You get the one, you get the other To heaven, St. Peter's gonna cry, but I tell him the reason this poor boy had to die. The con corneosis, black lung blues. You get the one, you get the other, either way The comb a black lung blues. I lay down my pick and shovel, lose these black lung blues. The comb corneosis, black lung blues get the one, you
0: get the other, either way. Hi there, and welcome to Mountain Talk. I'm your host, Rachel Geringer. The Black Lung Disability Trust Fund is set to expire on December 31st, 2018. The fund provides crucial support for minors suffering from the disease, as well as widows who've lost their husbands to black lung. In late November, a group of citizens from across the country, including right here in eastern Kentucky, traveled to Washington, D.C. to urge their representatives to uphold the trust fund and support the Reclaim Act. The trip was put together by organizations from across the country, including the Appalachian Citizens Law Center. Eric Dixon of the ACLC joined me by phone to describe some of the issues at stake and how the trip to D.C. came together.
2: My name is Eric Dixon. I'm the Senior Coordinator of Policy and Community Engagement at Appalachian Citizens Law Center. And last week, I joined over a dozen volunteer grassroots leaders from across six states to travel all the way to Washington, D.C., to Capitol Hill, to meet with legislators about two really pressing issues. The first is um, the Black Lung The epidemic of black lung disease and a tax that helps finance living and medical expenses for uh, victims of that disease, um, as well as the Reclaim Act, which is a sort of economic diversification initiative uh, and and mine reclamation initiative for uh, coal communities across the country. So the trip to Washington, D.C. last week was Uh, Part of a much broader effort happening across the country to push these two initiatives over the finish line, um, including local resolutions that have been passed by local governments and representative bodies in impacted communities uh, across the country, Uh, we're up to 24 and counting that have signified their support to Congress to get these initiatives done. There's petition drives, there's postcard campaigns. And then there's this trip to Washington, D.C. last week where I joined a number of other folks to really get these uh, efforts passed by, by Congress. The trip to D.C. was organized by a number of organizations, uh, including my organization, Appalachian, for, Appalachian Citizens Law Center, um, the Blue-Green Alliance, Appalachian Voices, uh, a number of other groups that are part of a regional and national coalition to uh, get these, these uh, legislative initiatives done.
0: Up next, we'll hear a recording of the press conference itself, recorded via phone from our studios here in Whitesburg.
2: As many of you probably know, there is currently a, a black lung epidemic that is raging not only across central Appalachia, but across the country. Um, the rate of black lung disease has doubled nationally since the year 2000, and currently one in five veteran coal miners in Central Appalachia has the fatal, incurable disease. So it's it's a very important uh, issue for uh, personally those in- impacted, but also a public health issue impacting our communities. And. Currently on the books, there is a, a program that provides living and medical expenses for minors with black lung disease if they win their claims. These are really important expenses to individuals who, uh, who are struggling with the disease. And Against this backdrop of an epidemic of the disease and a rise, you know, this this disease continues, the rate of disease continues to increase. It's not on the downslide. Against that backdrop, if Congress does not act by the end of this year, um, the black lung excise tax will be slashed by more than half. And this is a tax that finances the Black Lung Disability Trust Fund, and this is a trust fund that provides for 19,000 coal miners, widows, and their dependents across the country the living and medical expenses that, that I mentioned just a moment ago. So it's a very important issue to have this trust fund, which provides uh, expenses that in some cases literally keep people alive, uh, that, we, that we ensure that this, this tax uh, is kept at its current rate moving forward. And the second issue that we're uh, going to be talking about today is the Reclaim Act which is a piece of legislation that would disperse $1 billion across the country to put folks to work cleaning up abandoned coal mines um, across states, not only in Appalachia and the Midwest, but also in the West. And uh, the idea here behind this legislation is to really revitalize uh, economies that have been uh, really impacted by the decline of the coal industry as they uh, try to get back on their feet and diversify their economies with new, innovative, exciting uh, types of development. So. Um, those are the two pieces of legislation. There's a, there's a, uh, there are two, two policy initiatives. There's a constellation of efforts currently across the country to push these uh, initiatives over the finish line. And that includes resolutions that local governments are passing, uh, urging Congress to take action on these issues. That includes uh, petition drives, postcard campaigns, and this very citizen lobby trip to Washington, D.C. to bring those impacted by these policies to policymakers themselves to take action on the issue. So this morning, you will hear from four four folks. First, you'll hear from retired coal miner Kenny Fleming, uh, who does have black lung disease. He's from Kentucky. Vonda Robinson, who is from Southwest Virginia and represents the Black Lung Association, uh, the the Chapter 2 of the the Southwestern Virginia Black Lung Association. You'll hear from Katrina Fitzgerald, who is the Vice President of the United Steelworkers Local 1123 in Ohio, and you'll hear from Dan Fisher from Illinois, whose grandfathers were lifelong coal miners and who is a a dedicated uh, advocate on these issues. So with that, um, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to our first speaker, Kenny Fleming. Um, We'll let these these four folks um, say their remarks, and then we will open it up for questions from you all. And when we get to that point, I'll have just a bit of of instructions for folks. So with that, I'll hand it over to you, Kenny. Thank you, Eric. Good
3: morning. Uh, I'm a little nervous due to due to being taken out of my normal elements. Uh, I'm actually not a speaker of any sorts, um, but I feel that the, the urgency to speak due to the pressing needs that this debilitating disease entails, it's a disease that is incurable and leaves victims struggling to just maintain a semblance of a normal life. Uh, I actually didn't sleep well last night just laying awake and trying to think of something intelligent to say, uh, but I didn't really come up with anything. Um, But as I was brushing my teeth this morning, it struck me that our purpose of being here is important and actually self-evident. Society as a whole functions at its best when everyone just does what is morally and ethically right. And unfortunately, the majority of the coal companies are fighting hard against doing the right thing, which is to accept their responsibilities for the damage that they have done to so many coal miners Afflicted with black lung, had they in fact done the right thing in following the very stringent air quality measures that they are required to follow, then none of us would be here appealing to our policymakers to do the right thing in extending the excise tax to fund the much-needed care that many coal miners coal miners rely on just to exist. I personally spent 35 years as an underground coal miner while working uh, the majority of that time at an under, underground coal mine for A.T. Massey, uh, a road coal company with a pretty paint job. The company only followed those necessary regulations when we had company or mine inspectors. The moment that they left, the proper ventilation was removed, and then we went back to breathing the toxic dust once again many times we would be working in dust so so concentrated that I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. The coal companies need to step up and accept responsibility for using us as machines to further their already lucrative profits. Uh, it's, sad. it's sad when they, they take the human element and use it Their advantage to reap the profits, and then once they've they've used up the men and their ability to work and perform, then they walk off and uh, forget about their obligations. Excuse me. Um, I personally have friends that are on the waiting list for lung transplants, which is a sad and tragic thing. Uh, Several Younger than I am. I'm 59, and if the good Lord will let me live, I I hope to one day at least be able to live long enough to see my first grandchild. But that's kind of come into question now, uh, due to the severity of my disease, and um, it's already progressing at a a pretty, pretty quick pace. This disease has actually put me in a spot that I never dreamed that I would ever be in. Over the years, I'd put into a 401k and had amassed a small amount of money that I was gonna use to uh, try to enjoy my my later years. Uh, Due to the disease, I had to quit early, and in doing so, I had to pull out my 401k and use it to survive until until I did, uh, in fact, when my Black Lung settlement. Um, the Trust Fund is, is a lifesaver. Um, it, it's helped so many people in so many ways. But now it's in jeopardy, um, and we're trying to put a Band-Aid on it. It's, uh, there's a possibility that, that they will extend the excise tax for one year. Which is a good gesture. Uh, it's, it's a step in the right direction, but it's a it's a short-term solution to a long-term problem. Um, this is this is something that will not go away in our lifetime, and most of it has arisen uh, mostly in part to the baby boomers um, becoming. Close to retirement age, many of them not even being able to work out their full years and, and see the retirement ages that they normally plan for due to this disease. Um, we've been used as equipment, more or less, uh, while you're producing coal and giving them the profits that that they're asking for. You're their friend; they care about you. They pat you on the back. And uh, the moment that you, your health starts deteriorating, that's when they look at you like a piece of equipment that's that's ready to be pushed to the side and forgotten. And we're just asking that our policymakers do the right thing. Extend this tax out at least 10 years. That would be much more of a realistic approach to the solution, to the situation. And... Um, Actually, that's that's all I've got to say. I just ask that, that people step up and do the right thing. That's, that's the reason we're here, and we're asking for your help. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Kenny. Up next, we have Bonda Robinson.
4: Yes. My name is Bonda Robinson, and I am from Southwest Virginia. And my husband had 28 and a half years of working in the coal mines. And in 2013, he was diagnosed, he was 47 with black lung. And at that age, that's a very young age, it drastically changed our lives. From a coal miner working six to seven days a week, 12 to 14 hours a day, to someone that I see struggle daily with walking down the driveway and back, to taking a shower, to sleeping at night. My husband has to use a lot of inhalers. He also uses three liters of oxygen at night And without the black lung card, there is no way we could afford his medicine. It runs around $3,800 a month. And with us being on a fixed income where he's a disabled minor now, that would really put us um, in a debt. And so I was wanting just to let everybody know how black lung has affected our family. Um, It's not the same as it used to be. Will it get better? No, it won't. In the last five years, I've seen my husband's um, health deteriorate from now his breathing's down to 47 percent, and he's only 52. So I'm looking at what's going to happen 10 years from now. So that's why that we need this extended. This excise tax is dependent in the medical more than just the money a month. The card is worth gold to someone who struggles each and every day just to take another breath. And they have sacrificed their lives for so many to, to power the United States and to make steel. And if I could compare a minor to someone, I would compare them to our military. Our military, they sacrifice so much to give us the freedom that we have in the United States. And I look up to them as much as I do all the miners that sit in this room. They have sacrificed so much in their lives to give to America what they need, the electricity, the power, the the steel mills and stuff. And they're such a great resource. And by this, by what the coal companies are doing, You know, it's not fair um, to these miners because they have gave 110%. They loved working in the mines. It was a close family. Everybody working, you know, six, seven days a week, that many hours a day. They're a close family. And to take something away from someone who has sacrificed their life to their health you know, we we hope that they will extend it out to 10 years and just think, what if you were in that place? What if you struggled to breathe when you took a shower or if you slept at night and you had to have three liters of oxygen? So we're here today to express how important this is to every coal miner in every state And. I request, to to look up. We have started chapters in um, Virginia, Kentucky, and West Virginia. And I express strongly as a wife of a coal miner, if you have a dad, if you're a daughter, if you're a granddaughter, come to these meetings. Get involved. As women today, we can be a voice so strong in America to let people know how important this excise tax is and how important this medical is to these men. So go to a local chapter, you know, be a voice and let people really realize what it means to you. Because when it comes to someone taking another breath and this, this is not getting better. This is an epidemic. This is, this is something that has really hit strong to me as a wife. Uh, So I encourage each and every one to really get involved, speak out, and be a voice, because together we can work this together and we can get this passed. And I really appreciate your time, and I hope that this helps to let you know what it is to struggle in everyday life. Thank
2: you. Thank you, Vonda. Up next, we have Katrina Fitzgerald.
5: I'm Fitzgerald, Vice President of United Steelworkers Local 11. Ohio is one of many states that have been deeply impacted by shifting of energy sources. I feel fortunate to be here this week to speak with members of Congress and their staff about passing HR 1731, otherwise known the Reclaim Act. The idea behind Reclaim Act is simple. The bill uses already existing funds meeting funds that would otherwise be sitting in surplus to help communities struggling from the economic downturn in mining to get back on their feet by reclaiming the land and building economic growth for the long term. When we talk about this economic downturn, we talk about it from the standpoint of communities because it really has been entire communities that have been impacted by the loss of these jobs. If you would, just for a moment, think about the gas station you stop at on your way to or from work the diner you take your family to, or the movie theater you and your family visit. Now imagine your job is gone. Suddenly you're no longer able to visit these places you once did. So now those businesses are impacted as well. When you think about the loss of mining jobs from that perspective, it is easy to see how entire communities have been deeply impacted. The people in a vast number of these communities are suffering and have been suffering for far too long and they will continue to do so until these abandoned mines are cleaned up. By cleaning these areas, we not only create immediate jobs for folks that already have the skill set to operate the equipment needed to do so, but also create an opportunity for new development and long-term economic growth. Having a vision for both short and long terms is exactly what has me so excited about HR 1731. Passage of this bill would release $1 billion of already existing funds to communities that have been adversely impacted and that demonstrate plans for economic growth. So let's be clear, this isn't about just cleaning up abandoned mine sites. It's also about rebuilding communities, communities in which workers live who for generations have worked to provide a resource that have powered our lights and create the steel that has built our country. HR 1731 has bipartisan support with 40 co-sponsors from both sides of the aisle. There have been many governing bodies at the local level that have also passed resolutions in support of the Reclaim Act. It is clear that this is not just a Democratic or just a Republican issue. This is an American issue. I am here this week in Washington to advocate the passage of Reclaim because it's the right thing to do for our state, region, and country. The people in these communities need this funding, and they need this funding now. I'd like to thank the 40 members and the House of Representatives who have co-signed this bill, and I'd like to especially thank Congressman Hal Rogers for introducing the bill. I urge the rest of Congress to prioritize their support for Reclaim Act and get this legislation passed now.
2: Thank you,
6: Katrina. And up next we have Dan Fisher. Thanks, Eric. Um, my name is Dan Fisher. I'm from Illinois. And uh, I have to admit, I don't have anywhere near this compelling, uh, as compelling a story as you already heard. What I can say is that everyone who is here today, everyone who has made this journey from, from their home to Washington, D.C., has come here for one reason, and that is the men and women who have worked as miners have been the backbone, in many ways, of our country. And the opportunities that we have today, the wealth that we enjoy, the status of life that that, that we live, is due largely to their efforts and sacrifices. And as we have heard, it has been sacrifice. Uh, Sometimes sacrifice in the beginning, and other times as, as people, Get later on in, in life. I, I am not a coal miner. I have not been a coal miner. I am I'm an engineer by trade. I've, I've worked in mines. I, I understand my, my dad was a coal miner. My grandfathers were coal miners. My wife's father was a coal miner. Her grandfathers were coal miners. Everybody was a coal miner. And like we talked about the other night uh, when, when, when we all got together, it's kind of like a family reunion, you know? You sit around and everybody that I remember ever talking to me talked about coal mining. And we all shared the same stories and the same life experiences. It is family, even though they may not have the last, same last name as you have, or they may not even live in the same community, or like here, live in the same state. We're all family. And families take care of themselves. And what we're asking with each of these pieces of legislation is for our big family, this country, to do what's right and take care of those people, to take care of that part of the family. I've seen what can be the benefits of Reclaim firsthand. I live about 150 yards from a reclaimed coal mine. It's a mine my dad worked in when he was young and my grandfathers worked in, 150 yards away. And from my front porch, I can see kids playing soccer on that. About 200 kids every weekend during the summer, spring, and the fall are out there playing soccer because that mine was reclaimed a a while back. Down the road from me is another reclaimed coal mine where Aladdin Steel Company sits. It's the largest industrial building in Macoupin County. They cut pipe and they resell it. Just down the road from them is another reclaimed coal mine where a furniture and a flooring retailer sits. A little bit farther down from them is idea welding and fabricating, where they still use some of the old mine buildings for, for warehouse space, and they make uh, industrial dumpsters and trash containers. Men are working on these sites, making money, just like they did when they were miners, but they're on top of the ground rather than 300 feet down below A little bit away from there, we've we've got a vineyard a little farther from that. We've got a housing development. None of these reclaimed mines that were done, you know, 15, 20 years ago had any economic incentives provided by anybody to start the businesses there. But they came. Why? because they were in the right place, and there were people that had an entrepreneurial spirit that saw an opportunity, made an investment, and then provided jobs and income. Jobs and income that didn't replace necessarily the money that was made in the mines before that, but sure went a long way to giving opportunities to people that didn't have it if they wouldn't have done what they did. I know Reclaim can work. With some planning and a little bit of attention, we can clean up a large measure of the contaminants that we have left from these abandoned sites. And secondarily, we can provide just transition jobs for people who have lost them when the mines closed. About black lung, I never really knew my, my grandfathers. So they, they all died early. Uh, my grandfather on my uh, mother's side, r- Grandpa Joe, He put a pick to his leg, working down below, had it amputated, and eventually died of gangrene. So black lung didn't claim him, but I know black lung claimed my dad's father, my my grandpa Dan. And if it wasn't for the money that my grandma got as a survivor with black lung, this was a, a lady who cleaned houses for a living, and took care of other elderly people. She was 77 years old and taking care of an 85-year-old woman in order to make ends meet. She never took a dime from anybody in life, but if it wouldn't have been for the little bit of black lung survivor benefit that she got, even that wouldn't have been enough. So what I'd like to close with is these men and women worked, raised families, and lived a life of dignity. I think we owe it to them to provide the necessary resources through passage of reclaim, to provide jobs maybe not for them but for their offspring when the mines won't be there, and then secondarily provide the health benefits that are critically necessary for survival and also for their families because they've earned it. And I thought that's what this country was about, paying its way and taking care of its people. There may not necessarily be agreement about whether there's a war on coal, but I sure as heck hope there's not a war on coal miners. And if we can move together on this, I, I think we'll all be better, so we urge you to contact your legislatures, organize like we talked about, and move both of these pieces of legislation forward. And I would like to thank you, uh, in particular, Appalachian Voices, the Blue-Green Alliance, Sierra Club, and others who helped organize this, because this is a message we need to get out. And I, I thank you for listening.
2: Thank you, Dan, and thank you to all of our speakers this morning. At this point, um, I'd like to open it up to any questions that we might have from the media. If you do have a question, if you could press star six, that will, uh, it should unmute you, and then you could then go ahead and, uh, and ask your question for our speakers this morning. Hey Eric, it's uh, Brown from E&E News. Hey Brown. Um, so, quick question. So, there's a
3: measure in the tax extenders that would grant another year for the black lung tax. Is that good enough? Um, sorry if you've already answered this, but.
2: I'm going to direct that one to Kenny uh,
3: to answer your question it's it's a good start it's, it's not actually good enough but it's, it's good that, that there are good intentions there um, far too many times uh, we kind of kick the can down the road and pass it on to someone else uh, it's, it's really time to act on this And try to do something substantive and substantial to uh, to address the problem. Uh, One year will it will it'll buy us a little time, but it will just create the situation to where we have to further make appeals, and we're just we're just we're ready for someone to try to take a decisive action on it, and. Extending it out to ten years would uh, would give us give us all some peace of mind that uh, we desperately deserve.
2: Yeah, and quick follow is is even going back to the the
3: rate is that now adequate? I mean, is that is that enough? I mean, obviously it's it's not a lot of money, but is there um where where should the rate be at in your mind?
2: All right, I'll go oh, ahead. Sure. Thanks, Dylan. I will I can take a stab at that one. I mean, I think if you look at the report from the Government Accountability Office in June, you will see that they drew up a scenario where the only way that the Black Loan Disability Trust Fund becomes fully solvent is if the tax is increased by 25%. So, really, that's the action that Congress should be taking. We should be, you know, Uh, achieving solvency for this really important fund. Um, At the bare minimum, we need to be extending the current rate um, for the next 10 years, which according to the same GAO report found, it would keep the debt of the trust fund at about the same level as it is now, which would allow it to kind of keep operating as is. All right, well, thank you to everyone who called in. Appreciate you uh, uh, calling in and hearing from uh, our speakers this morning on some really important issues.
0: You're listening to Mountain Talk on WMMT. We just heard the press conference hosted in Washington, D.C. in late November, addressing the Black Lung Disability Trust Fund and the Reclaim Act. One of the citizens who joined the trip to D.C. was retired Eastern Kentucky miner Kenny Fleming. Mr. Fleming is introduced by Eric Dixon of the ACLC and interviewed by WMMT's Sydney Bowles.
2: Kenny Fleming is a retired miner who worked for 35 years in the mines doing a variety of jobs from roof Bolter to diesel mechanic. And he now has uh, black lung disease and is supported through the Black Lung Disability Trust Fund. So He is one of 19,000 people across the country who are, uh, you know, who have earned and are receiving living and medical expenses from the trust fund. So he is very plugged into the issue. He has a long mining history, and he traveled to D.C. as part of this trip to deliver his story to uh, legislators and to urge them to take action.
7: Can you tell me where you are right now?
2: Uh, yes, we're in the, uh, Capitol building in Washington, D.C.
3: What's, uh,
7: what's going on there? What's it, what's the scene like?
3: Um, well, it's, it's pretty busy. It's a, a lame duck session. Um, and I think they're getting ready to make a lot of changes, obviously with, you know, some people exiting with the, the picture. Um, but it's, uh, it's been pretty busy with, with us, uh because we're reaching out to a lot of politicians and, and trying to get some help with yeah. the, uh, the Black Line Trust Fund.
7: Yeah. Um, can you tell me about what you were doing today?
3: Uh, yes. Um, we've just uh, we've met with probably, I guess, six or seven uh, staff members with um, various different uh, senators and uh, representatives. Um, we've met with them in, in hopes of uh, telling our story uh, and how uh, the Black Tri- Black Lawn Trust Fund has uh, impacted us in a in a, a positive way as far as helping us and how it will uh, be detrimental to us uh, if it is if it is cut like it is uh, like they're proposing.
7: Right. Um, so, did you see they introduced a bill in the House a couple of days ago to extend funding for the trust fund?
3: Yes, um, which, if to my understanding, that was like uh, for a year, which is a, a great gesture and it's uh, it's a move in the right direction. But it's kind of like a temporary um, a temporary fix for a permanent problem. Um, and that's, that's the reason we're asking for 10 years, uh, because um, if, they, if they only extend it one year, then we will be back down here in six or seven months pleading with them again.
7: That's a really good way to put it, a temporary fix for a permanent problem. Um, yeah. So who was there anyone specifically that you met with today that, that you thought was particularly interesting, either in a good way or a bad way?
3: Well, my understanding is uh, Hal Rogers has been uh, pushing uh, for this and, and trying to help us. Um, I think on, on the flip side, uh, Mitch McConnell is. Um, I'm sure that he probably is trying to help, but I've I've heard that he's not. Uh, not going at it full force uh you know and obviously he has uh, a large amount of uh prestige and pull and influence and uh I think he could he could probably be helping us a little bit more but hopefully with us reaching out to, to, to his staff member that that uh, we can uh, kind of remind them that of the the importance of the of the matter mhm um Heck, I'm, uh, everything's kind of run together. I'm trying to think who...
7: I can't <laughs> who even imagine how tired you must be, honestly. <laughs> like, even just thinking yeah. about it makes me want to take a nap.
3: Yeah, yeah. We've been at it since uh, uh, 9 this morning, and I'll, we have just gone from meeting to meeting, and um, we we honestly didn't even get to finish our lunch. Uh, we've been so rushed. So it's... Yeah. It's been a productive day, though. It's uh, it's been interesting. This is the first time I've ever been involved in anything like this.
7: What made you get involved uh, now? Um,
3: Eric had uh, called me. Um, his firm had uh, successfully helped me uh, to get my black lung settlement, my my federal black lung. Um. One of his coworkers, uh, uh, Evan Smith, had contacted me probably about, maybe it's been about a year ago, and said that CNN had uh, wanted um, to know if they knew of anyone that would do an interview uh, to, I guess, put a face on the, on this situation. Uh, and I agreed to it, and uh, CNN had come in uh, in a few days with me and filmed and did uh, a, did an interview with me that ended up being a really short little uh, interview, uh, but um, it was interesting and um, it was for a good cause. And uh, after doing that, I had asked Evan if uh, if they ever had anything else that um, was addressing the issue that uh, you know I'd be happy to be involved in it, and that's uh, that's when Eric reached out to me and. Ask if I would like to be involved in this, and uh, I was happy to do it. Uh, hopefully, it, you know we can we can help make some kind of difference.
7: Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. And now you're all the way up in DC, talking to yes, talking to politicians. Must be kind yes, of wild. I
3: never dreamed I would be doing that. <laughs>
7: um, so Kenny, I know you said that you just recently got your um your claim through through evan at aclc but i wonder if you could just say a little bit more about what getting your benefits has meant to you how that's changed your situation
3: um well to be honest had i not had i not got my settlement uh we would have already lost our our home back in early 2015 i i had to quit due to my health, and um for a couple of years, we struggled uh, just barely, barely being able to afford our, our mortgage and our, just our normal bills, uh, so, for, so much to the extent that I had to uh, withdraw my 401K that I uh, put back for retirement purposes, and that, uh, that helped me to survive up until the time uh, that I was fortunate enough to win my, my case. Um, but in doing so, in winning my case, I was able to keep my home and uh, stay in it at least for the for the immediate future. Um, it's it's kept us kept us able to keep our home and just uh, maintain our life uh, close to normal. Um, we've um, had a tragic turn of events in the past six months. so we found out my wife had. Stage four cancer, and now we're mm. we're fighting that on top of it. But, oh, I'm so uh, sorry. Well, I appreciate that. Um, but is uh, the trust fund? Uh, well, the the uh, black lung settlement has uh, has kept us afloat, and uh, uh, without it, we've we would have lost our home, and uh, really don't don't know where we would be right now.
7: Yeah, um, but I. Uh,
3: I really thank them. Um, uh, They're a great outfit. They do good work.
7: So um, they were saying that, or you were saying that Mitch McConnell has maybe not been as forceful on this as you would want him to be. If you could say anything to Mitch McConnell right now, if you had him sitting right in front of you, what would you tell him?
3: Um, I would tell him that uh, a lot of people have put faith in him to... um, to keep the interests of, of the, his constituents and in uh, and his uh, his thoughts and his actions, and that uh, we don't want to be those forgotten men and women that uh, that Trump was talking about. We don't want to uh, we we want him to remember us when we need him uh, just as much as when he needs our vote.
0: That's it for this episode of Mountain Talk, focusing on the fight to save the Black Lung Disability Trust Fund. Music on this episode features Rich Kirby and Michael Klein with the Black Lung Blues. I've been your host, Rachel Geringer, and from all of us at WMMT, thanks for listening to Real People Radio. Making Connections is brought to you by WMMT, Mountain Community Radio. Find out more at makingconnectionsnews.org.